Around 750 million people live on the European continent. So what about it? What will its future look like? Will there ever be a United States of Europe? For this and more, you will hear from European thought leaders, artists, civil society representatives, and all those who care about its future. You will receive key insights into the ways Europe is changing and how your voice can be part of this. I am Paolo De Stilo, and you're listening to Europe Matters. Today I'm joined by Anas Hanafi Dali, is a member of the Global Shapers community of the World Economic Forum and is a fellow at the German Marshall Fund of the United States, for which he leads uh, different projects. He is based in Turin and he's currently specializing in space law. He's also a member of the Space Law and Policy Group of the Space Generation Advisory Council. Hi, Anas. Thank you for uh, joining in. Hi, Paolo. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here with you. Yeah, uh, we met last year in the magical world of Clubhouse, where we were hosting different events. And I remember you organized a very interesting event with Herb Baker, which was the procurement manager of NASA. First, how did you get in touch with him? But also, what brought you to get into the space law realm? Well, we had an interesting conversation in Clubhouse in another group where Herb Baker was involved. And then we tried to organize something for the Italian community with a translator. And I remember you translator very well because you participated in our Clubhouse uh, group and you you, you gave us uh, great support. So, uh, well, we got in touch uh, through Twitter and through Clubhouse using different uh, social media to try to connect and to try also to uh, to bring and create bridges between uh, the space society in general and the students and also general public that want to listen and to know more about space. So it was a great pleasure to, to organize with him this moment in Clubhouse and uh, we reached uh, a lot of uh, new uh, members and new Italian people uh, talking on this topic and talking about space economy and space law. For instance, uh, I would love to say that space law, it's a very interesting topic, still uh, having a lot of questions about it and doing a lot of research to know how the world of uh, the space law and the law in general will change in the future. And I'm happy to be part of this project and this group that will help us uh, try to understand more the space regulation and try to know what's best for the world and how to keep it peaceful somehow. So we have to start thinking about uh, going beyond our countries and trying to think globally and acting locally, as we would say in a global shapers community. So I'm sure happy to be part of all these projects on space law and to try to help also startups that are starting here in Europe to, to work in the space field and to try also to know more about what is the future regulation. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you're um, specializing in space law. However, uh, you told me uh, before we started recording that um, there's no real specialization within uh, law universities. Uh, so you're now uh, completing your studying is uh, at the University of Torino in uh, northern Italy. When did your interest in space law start? Was it uh, since you saw an astronaut going to the to space? When when was it? When when did you start uh, having this uh, feeling towards the space? Well, space has always been part of my life since I was a, a child because I wanted to know more about stars and about planets. So. I was always been in touch with science into my family, and we always discussed how the future of uh, our species will be into different planets, maybe. So this started everything in my childhood. Then I I became interested in into the space field uh, in 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 my early uh, nineteen then when I started university, because I started thinking about how we can work a true regulation and how we can start to think uh, about innovation law. So uh, laws has always been strongly connected with society and has always been somehow late in trying to try to develop the new uh, kind of regulation to help uh, society keep in touch and also to work better uh, for the future. So started thinking about what kind of laws we will have in the future when we when everything will be uh, online when uh, you will work uh, not in the office but from home but uh, you you will also have uh, different regulation uh, about new different space exploration issues so i started thinking about it and starting from then i tried to specialize into this uh, knowing that there are only some universities in the world that help on on try to specialize in space law and the idea was to try to help create different space sectors and space policy and law masters here also in Italy to to try to help and to try to work into different space economy and space law sector well this sector was always in in the past uh, just a governmental sector Right now, we have a lot of privates that are starting working and also a lot of startups working into this field. And they also need lawyers for that. They also need uh, people that try to know how is it working into the space and how, uh, how the regulation is working, how the regulation is changing and who is doing what in space. And I think it's very important to start with this. And of course, it's not easy because we have also to deal with different national space legislation because we also have that. But it's also not a United Nation part, but it's also, I think, something that we can work together 
uh, in Europe to try to reach it and to try to create a new space law legislation, a new space regulation that can help keeping space safe and also keeping space secure for everything and uh, from everything. If if I want to if I want to be more clear, helping us to reach a peaceful world where we co- we can all live without having problems and without having uh, issues like war. So we know in those moments, uh, war are uh, very bad and they're hitting into our society, the ideas that we have to go into war. And this is, I think, very bad. And space can help us keeping peace, but also can help us go into war. So we have to decide which kind of part we want to take or take on into this. And we also have to think on which side we want to see space, if in a peaceful way or in a conflict way. Yeah, because we are um, recording this talk also in a very difficult moment with the whole uh, Ukraine invasion from part of Russia. We hope that it ends as soon as possible. I want to give a little bit of space to this because I think it's also important so that we also are aware of what's going on. These are very sad days, so I don't want to linger on. But last year, for example, Russia shot a couple of satellites. And it shot a couple of satellites on the 21st of November last year in 2021. And that brought into danger the ISS, the International Space Station. And what we know, and also also what you're talking about, is space has always been a lot of collaboration, a lot of international collaboration. There is a lot of collaboration between NASA, between ESA, ESA, the European Space Agency, For the ones that don't know, Europe has its own space agency. So what does this kind of act or this kind of uh, movements towards our very also delicate atmosphere do to to our security, right? So what, what can we envision as like space wars in the future? Hopefully not. We, we don't want that. Well, someone will think about Star Wars and uh, about different. Uh, movies that we've seen in the past and uh, start thinking that maybe could be fiction what we what we are envisioning right now but uh, what we see is that space is governed by uh, some bodies like i mean space law it's it's the body of law that regulates objects and activities beyond the earth atmosphere and this uh, helped us uh, also to try to, to to find solution in case of conflicts that will happen or may might happen into into the atmosphere into the earth's atmosphere so what i would envision right now is that we are facing some problems between uh, different satellites sometimes the satellites are not state satellites but are private satellites and uh, this is uh, a question that we are having right now and as as we love to say in law there is different kind of uh, different kind of theories that will uh, that will take place on there's some theories that will say that the the satellite of a certain private company would have been also property of the state where this company has is based on and there is also some other theories that will say that this satellite is just owned by the company so i think it's very important also to to try to understand which are the the new ways that big companies or big tech companies can participate into the space sector into the space field 
but not only in this field, also in our society, and to try to understand what are the boundaries that we have. Because sometimes we can see that some states are less powerful than those uh, big uh, technologies uh, groups. So we have to try to find a common ground between it. So also in space, we're having this issue and it is raised as an issue and we have to find a solution to that because if not, we will uh, enter in war, but we cannot see, uh, for example, a private sector company entering war with a state. This will be a totally new thing for us. And this is not uh, possible to govern into inside the UN. So we have to start thinking about how is it the, the word uh, composed right now and how is it working? Which kind of laws are there actually uh, regarding space? Is, uh, which kind of conventions have we written as a global world uh, to kind of decide? Because what you mentioned as well is like it's uncharted field there's a lot to discover there's a lot uh, of work to be done now you see now with musk going to space sending all starlings all those small satellites yeah that's kind of a um, problem to actually control or at least monitor so we have five united nation treaties on outer space uh, so i will start with the most important one signed in 1967 that is the treaty of outer space so, I mean, with this treaty, we, we are uh, governing the activities of states in the exploration and use of outer space, including the moon and other celestial bodies. So, for example, uh, this treaty was signed in 1967. So we have also to start thinking about how to change those, uh, those treaties and how to <laughs> let them be like renewed, trying to bring into the table also the space uh, the private space sector, because if not, uh, we will having just uh, the principles that, that are governing the activities of states into the exploration and use of outer space and not in, of the privates. So I think it's important to, to, to try to go also deeper into this and bring into the table also the private sector, trying to have a good regulation that might keep us safe and also secure on using outer space. So. We have also the second uh, treaty that is the rescue agreement. So as uh, maritime law, we, we have also an agreement on rescue of astronauts and the return of astronauts and the return of objects launched into the outer space. So uh, this was signed in 1968, and it's an agreement that is very important into international uh, co security cooperation because for example, you mentioned before the International Space Station and how we are dealing with Russia uh, into uh, our cooperation agreement that we have into the International Space Station. So, for example, the, the, this agreement is very important because we have to rescue astronauts. We will not ask them uh, before anything their citizenship or their passport. So I, I think this is very important also for humankind to, to think broadly and think as a human species and not just as a member or part of certain states. So, and then we have also the third uh, treaty that is the Convention on International Liability for Damage Caused by Space Objects. Also, this one that was signed in 1972 is answering in some parts to the question that you, uh, that you mentioned before about Russia uh, tearing down some satellites. So, 
we can go back to this convention, but of course this convention doesn't mention private sector. So we have also to integrate it to try to, uh, as I said before, bring the private sector into uh, the, uh, the space field and also keep them liable on any damage they, can, they could cause and also on space debris and also on space sustainability. We have to talk about this. We have also to raise this issue. And also we have the registration convention, that is the fourth one mentioned by uh, the United Nations, that is the convention on registration of objects launched into the outer space. So this uh, was signed and uh, was entered in force in 1976. And this also helps to registrate all the objects that we launched into outer space and also to try to regulate it a bit, not to... Uh, let the space be the next garbage or the next collection of garbages that <laughs> that might be in uh, in the future, and we are also keeping safe from this. Uh, and also, as last one but not least, we have the Moon Agreement. So the agreement on the Moon is very important also because we have Artemis Accord that we signed with Russia, and this Moon Agreement entered in force in 1984 and is governing the activity of states on the moon and other celestial bodies. So I will repeat it, governing activities of states on the moon and other celestial bodies. So it's very important to underline this part. It's just governing the activities of states and not the one of privates. So we have to keep in mind that now in this new century, we have also private sector coming in into the space exploration and not only into the space uh, exploration but also uh, trying to uh, bring the new space economy into into this new work that we are doing and this has to be i think regulated before we uh, we go into any catastrophe that might happen in the future but i want to keep positive and i think that the united nations and also the states and also the private are doing as much as they can to try to help each other and to try to to work uh, toward uh, the increase and toward the enhancement of the space forces, bringing them into uh, an alliance that could be peaceful and not made for war. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This means that private entities like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos can install their own um, headquarters, we could say, on the moon and without any problem. Well, somehow they could do that. They're still not doing it. They still, but I think they could do it. I don't. I don't know if they would do it, but they could certainly. Yeah, because doesn't doesn't that mean that they will have a tax-free heaven and it's like it's not uh, the seashells it's not a, an island in it and on the world it's actually the moon <laughs> for, for what i know i think that elon musk is more planning on doing that in mars so uh, trying do it doing it into another planet but i'm not sure about how is it going to be in the future and it will be uh, i think super interesting as a sector to follow and to try to understand if space will uh, will be uh, the new headquarter of Facebook or of other companies. So w- w- who knows? And um, this will be, of course, interesting. But also, I think the future space stations will be interesting because we might have some other space stations uh, made up by privates. So we'll have the possibility to leave certain period into space like the astronauts are doing right now. So it will be interesting. We'll see also, I read some news about this new hotel that will will be built into the space. So, so into space and will we'll enter, I think, uh, in function in 2030. So we have a lot of new innovation coming in and we hope we'll see it and we will hope that our generation can come peacefully, work towards sustainability and also work into the space sector and space field and also have the chance to to live a part of our life at least some days into the space there's been a huge change right uh, since like 10 15 years uh, also in the usa nasa also opened up for the private sector to also go into space and that's also what brought elon musk to really develop his uh, rockets which are innovative in the sense of they can land back so at least a big body is not thrown away. And that's a lot of, think about just a cost-benefit analysis. You are reusing. Also for sustainability, it's good. But the thing is, it still consumes so much. Every time that we go to space, we're consuming so much kerosene, we're consuming so much uh, gas that it's, it's not healthy for the environment. Is there other ways to go to space without consuming any fossil fuels? Well, I think uh, this is not specifically my 
my field, so I will not enter into the details. But what I would say from the discussions had that I had with different engineers, I think that nuclear power could be used to be more green into space. So I think that we will experience the use of uh, the nuclear power, meaning uh, in a peaceful way, so not using it and not, no, it's, it's not the nuclear bomb, just for the listeners, but using the nuclear power to help going into space with a more a sustainable way and trying to also to keep an eye on the environment. But I would not say more because I, I think I cannot, but I think that space sustainability is a very important field and it's super uh, important also for future generation to have the chance to live in an equal world and also in a more environmental friendly world. We also have some space gear that already uses uh, nuclear power uh, on the on Mars. If I'm not mistaken, one of the rovers has a nuclear uh, powered uh, battery or at least uh, functions. But still, nuclear energy creates waste. And that waste we will have to put somewhere. Uh, so there's a lot of theories. There's a whole whole books of science fiction and we are just throwing barrels of nuclear waste towards the sun and things like that. But there is an increasing problem at the moment, which might not seem as a huge deal, but we are creating a big dump around our globe. So is there anything that we are doing legally to stop uh, leaving all those dead satellites around, around the world? Well, the idea is to collect the satellites that are not working anymore or that are maybe not used anymore and to tear them down but or uh, just like try to put them into the outer space. But the point is, this is not as easy as it might seem right now because uh, some of those satellites are owned by private. So uh, you cannot just go there and tear them down and and also we have to start thinking about satellites that were put in there but by by states that has changed so much into the last at least 30 years the space race started we had kennedy in the united states and we had uh, the soviet union into the other part also i want to mention that italy was the third country that brought in a space satellite into the space so the name is San Marco space. So Italy has a part of it. Europe has a part into the space. And it's a very important place, I think, to into the future of space exploration. But what I mean is we're trying as much as we can, thinking about regulation, uh, staying in into the space sustainability and trying as much as we can to uh, find a common ground with different other states that might not have had a seat when we discussed into the United Nations uh, when I was not born yet the regulation of uh, that we talked about before so what I mean is we have to rebuild uh, a new regulation altogether uh, because if not uh, we will we will be uh, like subjugated by this national space legislation and all the states will try to create their national space legislation and bring them to the UN and discuss it for uh, years and years and decades. So we have to be responsible and I think our generation will be into the future. Uh, 
thinking about the future of space exploration in a in a manner that can help us keeping the world peacefully and keeping the world into the peace, uh, what I mean, and keeping also the world sustainable and environmental and friendly. So we will see, we will see with the satellites what we what we can do. But uh, I think uh, into the regulation that we're having right now, it's very hard because right now, if you tear down a satellite, might might mean that we are starting a new war. So we have to keep very, very, very sensitive into into this uh, this point and we have also to try to use the space for uh, for peaceful ways and for peaceful meaning and not for for the war thank you anas um, these are very thoughtful and also uh, hopeful words which are needed in times like these uh, i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your time and and yeah, perhaps we see each other uh, in space in the future. Thank you. Thank you, Paolo. It was a very pleasure to be here with you and to be here with your community. I'm very available to, to discuss furthermore the, the questions that you may might have and also to see what's the future of space and, and maybe seeing each other in space. <laughs> uh, beware. We will hear from Anas in the future again. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Europe Matters. Special thanks goes to my assistant producer, Antonio Mattesini. Let us know who we should interview next by writing a comment and sharing it with your friends on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn using the handle at Europe Matters. Don't forget to leave a review on whichever podcast streaming platform you use. And if you really like this show, the best way to support us is by making a donation on patreon.com. You can learn more at www.europematters.com. Speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. 
That's stamps.com. Code program.